And welcome back to From the Bar. As always, this is Ife. And I am Olamide. We want to take our time to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate the support and we would ask that you listen to our podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. Please share with your friends and your family members, uh, your colleagues too. So uh, before we go into today's episode, I would ask Ife how our week went. Well, my week, at least my week in respect of court, was pretty mundane. Although I think the most notable thing that happened was last week I was at Federal High, well, the High Court in Osborne till about 5 p.m. Now, for, you know, fellow litigators, you know that court is usually finishes by around maybe your judge will rise around like two or three if you're not lucky but by that five o'clock i was the very last person at osborne my case was number nine out of 14 but case called out of turn after case called out called out of turn i was the last person on the list and by the time i left there was no lights the security person inside had gone at some point during the proceedings around like four they'd actually switched the gen off and the registrar to go and tell them to go and turn the gen back on. So yeah, that was that was me. At the end of that day, I didn't want to go back to the office, but I still did share. Oh well, that that that's actually the absolute worst. Cause imagine getting to court by nine and you're not leaving by five. I think that's one of the things I really do not like. And you know, we, we had even mentioned this on the first episode how your day really just starts as a litigation lawyer when you get back from court so imagine coming back from court by like five ish but yeah i think my 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 week wasn't so bad as per timing with court i think i just um experienced something many junior lawyers do experience in the sense that i was sort of set up not set up intentionally but there was this client we just took on and where to enter appearance for them they had counsel on record already and we were taking over. I got to court, um, tried to inform the lawyer on the other side. I, I noticed or found out that he was a senior advocate. So I called my senior. I'm like, oh, sir, this is the person in court. It's like, oh, speak to him. Try to check, check his temperature and see what the matter is coming up for. So I went to speak to the man. He told me, oh, the matter is for trial, and his witnesses are around. He can't tell his witnesses to go back to Ikoi. Ah, so his temperature was not very favorable. His temperature was not even, it wasn't nice at all. So when the court started sitting, I informed the judge that, oh, we were just briefed and all. Leonard Silk maintained this position and said that he was ready for trial and that, in fact, just considered to doing the examination in chief and tendering his documents. But at that point in time, I had to text my senior that, oh, this is what's happening. So he came all the way from the Federal High Court to meet me in Ikeja. So that's basically Ikoi to Ikeja. I, I don't know how he did it within that short space of time, but he actually did meet me while, we, while the trial was going on. So they had called in their witness. They were about tendering documents when he entered. Then we noticed that there was um, a problem with one of their documents and objected. The judge said he has to write a ruling on the objection and that was how we, in fact, escaped that day. So clearly, as you guys can see, the anointing on Alamdi's head, in terms of court matters, is serious. So like that day that I went to court and you didn't carry your wig and gown, 
and that's Honestly, the day the court said it's, don't it's only god it's only god really <laughs> so for those of you who are you know which is everyone listening on spotify and listening on apple Podcasts, you've probably seen that the title of today's episode is a bloody nollywood tale on trial and we're doing something a little bit different today you know we're taking the law to the small screen this episode was actually inspired by one of my bestos shout out to dr abim who sent me a message last week and he said you know have you watched blood sisters and do you think you could defend those girls i was like "Ah, okay you know how many times do we watch something whether it's something that we're an expert in or something that we're not and we think oh you know we could have done this better or we could have done this or that or you think you know i wonder how this would work in practice i know that's me and uh, gray's anatomy for sure so we decided that today we're gonna you know put blood sisters on trial specifically the murder i'm going to take the position of the defense olamide is going to take the position of the prosecution because he likes violence and chaos no i don't like violence and chaos i think i like order mm and yeah so that is what today is going to be about now obviously if you haven't watched it big massive spoiler if you care about spoilers you know pause it go and watch it come back no netflix is not uh paying us for the advert for the advertising i wish netflix was paying us for the advertising no it's just something that we both watched we thought you know it was an interesting concept and we figured that why not give this a go now if you haven't watched it and you don't plan on watching it, I'll give you a little summary just so that you can, you know, listen to this episode with some context. It's about two women, not girls, women who are friends. And one of them is going to get married to someone who's, you know, an abuser. And on her wedding day, she decides she's not going to get married after all. He, well, I was going to say he tries to hurt her, but he actually does hurt her. The friend steps in, um, kills him, and they go on the run. I think that's a really quick summation. But again, if you're planning on watching it, pause us, go and watch it, and come back. But without any further ado, I'm going to allow Alamide to, you know, let us know what's going on today. Okay, so um, like if I had mentioned, we'll just be reviewing the mother scene and the, mo- the, the mother incident in blood sisters so what, what what exactly are we going to be looking at we're going to be looking at the charges that would most likely have been profiled against them if they had been caught or arrested by the police uh we'll look at the offenses we'll look at under what law they will be charged and what are the types the types of offenses then we'll also do a quick review of the possible witnesses that might have been called at trial and what these witnesses will be saying either uh, for the prosecution or for the defense, then we'll look at the facts as they are. So one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to infer into what actually happened in the movie. Instead, we're going to we're going to limit ourselves to what happened in the movie and particularly the scene where the mother occurred. Then also we do an analysis of the evidence we we hope to have gotten from those witnesses and apply them to the law so like we said we had already charged them on the set, certain offenses or certain sections of the criminal law of lagos which is the extant law in relation to this particular matter and also the punishment that will be um meted out by the court when they are found guilty of these offenses so i think i'll just 
go straight up to the charges that have been preferred. Uh, but before I do that, let me just shout out to Toluanimi. She helped me with these um, charges and the research as to what the law really was. Yeah, so really all I'm doing is going to start off by presenting the case for the prosecution because, I mean, the prosecution would be going first. So he's going to present his case. I'm going to knock it down. And then you guys are going to decide, you know, as our esteemed judge, we don't have a jury system in Nigeria. I think we used to, but not anymore. And honestly, for good reason. <laughs> Can you imagine the tribalism, classism, sexism on a thousand? Uh, I know, not, not in the era of delegates where, you know, a few thousand dollars will just... Ah, not everybody certain. can be a delegate now. More people can be jurors. So some, some dollars for the jurors. Exactly. You know, in, this, in this economy. So yeah, Lamude, please present your case for the prosecution. Okay, so... For me, I would be preferring or preferring a five-count charge. Um, I'm sure people have seen where prosecutors would prefer 80-count charges, 60-something count charges. Yes, I understand that there are some times that the need to prefer that many charges arises because each particular offense is deemed as a separate transaction. But um, I'm not really a fan of trumping up your charge sheet. There are certain offenses that you know after reviewing your evidence that the person wouldn't even be getting off on. And in the course of this, I know if I would try, but she definitely would would have some difficulty getting getting them off some of the charges that I would be preferring. So the very first charge I'll be preferring is conspiracy to commit a felony. So um, this is pursuant to section 411 of the criminal law of Lagos State. And just to mention, the criminal law of Lagos State is the extant law as it relates to this um, case because this happened in Lagos and they'll be tried at the High Court of Lagos. Wherever judicial division, they were, they, the Attorney General decides to charge them. But the first would be conspiracy to commit felony and they had committed two different felonies. So I'll be having two separate heads of count for the conspiracy offenses then uh the the very obvious one is murder that's the that's the offense that everyone has seen that they've committed uh then there are two other offenses i i'm sure people would not avert their mind to they noticed but they won't avert their mind to the first is the unlawful possession of firearms so he was killed with a firearm uh then the the last is misconduct with regard to corpses so before i go into everything um all the offenses i've charged them under i'll just do a quick review of where you can find these offenses and under what law so for the conspiracy i had mentioned that that's section 411 of the criminal law of lagos state that's called conspiracy to commit a felony and um what exactly would you regard as a felony a felony is any offense which is declared by law to be a fel- um to be punishable without proof of previous conviction with death or with with imprisonment for three years or more so uh, once an offense is punishable by death or by imprisonment of three years or more that offense is deemed to be a felony i have um highlighted two offenses which are felonies here in fact three offenses which are felonies but I would only be charging them for conspiracy in regards to two. And then for 
mother the mother can be found in section 222 that's the definition of mother and uh, one thing lawyers would know is that when you're charging somebody for an offense at least on the charge sheet you charge post one to the punishment section and not the section that defined although murder is char- is defined by section 222 of the criminal law of lagos state you will be charging under section 223 of the criminal law of lagos state which now prescribes the punishment for murder and murder is a capital offense we punishable by death there are i think two or three other capital offenses armed robbery treasonable felony i think kidnapping in some in some other states but those are um, the other capital offenses we have. Then for the unlawful possession of firearms, this is provided for by Section 3 of the Firearms Act, but it's punishable under Section 2801AI of the same Firearms Act. Then finally, is the misconduct with regard to corpses, pursuant to Section 165 sub B of the Criminal Law of Lagos State. So getting to these offenses now, before a person can be convicted or you have been said to commit an offense by the court, one thing the prosecution must always prove um, is that there was a mental element to committing that offense. That means the person had an intention to commit that offense and the person actually committed that offense. So it's not enough for you to say that, oh, I saw him shoot the person. Did he have an intent? Was there an intention to shoot the person or to kill the person? So, um, in this instance, we would have to look at the criminal criminal law of Lagos State as regards the definition of um, mother or manslaughter, so as to know whether what the criminal what the criminal elements that is the mental element and the um, actual element that's the act itself, the actus reus and the mens rea. That's what they're called. So the act itself is the actus reus. The mental element is called the mens rea so section 222 provides that subject to the provisions of this law a person who unlawfully kills another with intention to kill that person or some other person or with intention to do grievous harm to the person killed or to some other person is guilty of a felony called murder remember that we already charged them for conspiracy to commit murder it's a common thing when two people are charged with an offense especially when they're parties to an offense, they are both charged for conspiracy. So in this instance, Kemi and Sarah will be charged for conspiracy to commit murder as well as murder. So I had mentioned the Fiscal Act. What exactly is the Fiscal Act as uh, as regards to murder? The thing is, you have taken steps to cause grievous bodily harm or kill somebody, and that person has died. What then is the... um, mental element that's the mens rea when you read further in section 222 that's subsection 2 it says that for the purpose of this section a person is to be deemed to have intended to kill or cause grievous harm when death or grievous harm is the desired consequence of his act or omission not the desired outcome of his act or omission but in bringing about his desired outcome he foresees the result as the probable and not only a likely consequence of his act or omission. So now, what it is is that you can't just say that you do not intend to kill somebody. There are certain things that if had happened in the course of killing that person, the law would regard you as, as having had the, um, the 
the mental element to kill the person that is the mandrea to kill the person and these are the things that we've established these are these things are easily established you can easily establish them as regards what happened with sarah and kemi and what what really did they do there was a gun that kemi used to kill Kola. she picked up a gun and shot at Kola. she shot him from behind that enough shows that she wanted to cause grievous harm to him and in the process of causing grievous harm she killed him and he, he was pronounced dead so that that already just shows that there was murder by um, by by kemi but because of the laws as regards parties to an offense kemi and sarah would be charged for the murder of color because they were put away and they were together when that thing happened then to the next offense uh, which would be unlawful possession of firearms um sarah had killed call out with a gun and it is unlawful by the provisions of the firearms act particularly section 3 which provides that no person shall in his possession or under his control any firearm of one of the categories specified in part one of the schedule here to hearing after referred to as a prohibited firearm except in in accordance with a license granted by the president acting in his discretion so um kemi clearly had a gun with her there's there's no coming out of this she had a gun which she eventually used to kill somebody so there was a gun not only in her possession but in her control and she used this gun to kill somebody so definitely this is one um way that she would be this is one offense that she would be charged under and i'm pretty much sure that there won't be any defense for this because really how do you claim that you you were not in possession of the gun although they might say that the gun was not found with her but yeah it's it's still a viable charge to bring them under and this is in fact for the two of them then the last but not the least offense is misconduct as um, with regards to corpses and this is pursuant to section 165b of the criminal law of Lagos state so th- this really is as regards the mutilation i'm sure a lot of people did not know that mutilating the body that is beheading color uh, after they had killed him amounts to an offense so aside the mother they had now gone further after killing the person to commit another offense and section 165 b of the criminal law of lagos it says that any person who without lawful justification or excuse the proof of which lies on him this is actually the most interesting part of this normally in criminal trials the prosecution has the burden of proof but in this instance the burden of proof is reversed although it might be um one on a balance of um, probabilities but it says that any person who without lawful justification or excuse neglects to perform any duty imposed on him by law or undertaken by him whether for reward or otherwise touching the burial or other disposition of a human body or human remains or this is the part that i am very much interested in is improperly or indecently interferes with or offers any indignity to any dead human body or human remains whether buried or not so mutilating that, that is beheading color definitely 
falls into this category and we um i think that this is one offense that they definitely would be going away for now to the witnesses so what witnesses we will be calling i wanted to for criminal trials one person that should always testify is the investigating police officer uh, the investigating police officer the i who a lot of people would know as ipo is the one to give evidence because he is seen as the one who summarize all the reports of the different people the statement is one who took the statement is the one who interviewed the doctors the experts he's the one who would provide a summary of their reports to show the court that this is why we have come to this um charge then the next person is one of the people or anybody who had discovered the body where um the shallow grave where the girls buried color then we'll call a forensic expert to just show that um this um, you know we are said that you have to you have to have for you to to be successful in a case of murder you must call you, you must show that the person was killed and that person has in fact died so that alone is why we would be calling a doctor to show that color has in fact died then just because of the doctrine of last sin nobody saw the girls kill um color but akin knew that color went to see um sarah and um color only went to see sarah because kemi had asked him to had informed him that sarah wanted to see him so the doctrine of last sin everybody knows that the last time they saw color was when he went to see sarah after that he passed on so that that's that's what that's what's going to happen then the reason why we uh, said that i'll call the person who discovered the body is he, he, that's the person that can show us that the body was actually dismembered when it was found and it only just stands to reason that the people who killed him were the ones who mutilated his body they are the ones that now have a duty to prove that they, did, they didn't do that then finally one of the hotel attendants would or the manager of the hotel to testify as to the um cctv footage of kemi and sarah carrying a duffel bag in their service clothing through the back uh, that that enough is circumstantial evidence to show that they were hiding something so that that that, that i think pretty much it on the side of the prosecution so i i, I want to listen to what if would be saying in the defense so i think what's really interesting about um how prosecution kind of work especially in a case like this where obviously we were flies on the wall right we watched the case unfold is that there's going to be a lot of things that prosecution will say that you don't agree with especially let's say conspiracy because you can say ah, but they didn't conspire to murder him it was an accident by the end of the day defense counsel prosecution counsel and the judge were not flies on the wall and we present the case best as we can with the facts that we have especially for the prosecution they're going to be wanting to go for the biggest of biggest so that's why alamde for example isn't gonna go for manslaughter he's gonna go for murder and maybe the judge with his own discretion will convict for manslaughter instead yeah just to add to what if i just said um it's possible that a judge convicts for a lesser offense when the judge finds that you haven't proven the element of the major offense 
but there are element the elements of the uh, smaller or lesser offense have been established so as to sustain a conviction so you if you don't prove intentionality that would ground it or that would um, make you success, su- succeed in a case of murder the judge can see that oh this person was actually killed by this other person but it was done recklessly so that's manslaughter yeah so where there is um access rare but no mens rare so if I for the um, defense right or rather I Omotola, as I like to call myself in court. I think the case of the defense is very simple. And before we had started, I told Olamide, I said, you know, you've got a lot of law to explain and work your way through. For me, I've got a lot of facts to work my way through. So what are the facts, right? Well, I'll paint you the picture. Um, it's episode one. As, you know, um, Kemi calls Kola. says Sarah's looking for him. So Kola goes into the hotel room. Um, Sarah tells him that she is not going to marry him anymore. Very brave, I might say, as well, and very admirable. He tries to beg her. She stands her ground, and he starts to strangle her. Kemi walks in, says Kola's name three times, and then hits him with the artifact. Kola turns around and slaps Kemi, you know, which um, the force of which drops her onto the ground. He calls her some expletive that I'm not going to say, in case my mommy is listening. And then the gun falls. He turns back to Sarah and says, and I quote, you know, I will kill both of you. Raises his hand to slap or hit Sarah. At that point, Kemi shoots with the gun that dropped from Kola. Kola falls to the ground and Kola is dead. That's all she wrote, as they say. The case for the defense is a, it's a very simple one. It's a case of self-defense, which is actually a complete um, defense. There are some defenses that are partial defenses whereby, you know, maybe you can get your sentence reduced, etc. But it's not going to get you off scot-free. Now, the defense of self-defense is specifically in respect of the count. I'm using it specifically in respect of the counts of murder and conspiracy for murder that Olamide is putting forward for the counts of um, misconduct in respect of a human body and the unlawful possession of a firearm a little more complicated but we'll get to those but before i you know wade my way in i just want to explain that there are two routes two routes tomato tomato that a lawyer could go with this i can you know my client can admit that this is what they've done and you know say self-defense how we move from there or you know it's for the uh, prosecution to prove their case. No be us doing. Now, I need to point out that as a lawyer, you know, there are certain ethical considerations. You are not allowed. You are not supposed to. You are not permitted to make a case that you know is untrue. So, for example, I know they are guilty. They have told me they are guilty. They did it. And I go to court and I'm preferring a case that they're innocent. That goes against our rules of professional ethics. That's not to say lawyers don't do it too. In fact, when I was talking to Alamdi and discussing some of my difficulties with the case, and I was like, ah, how do real criminal lawyers do it? Say, ah, some of them lie. I said, ah, I can't come here and lie. So that's why when you, you know, discuss with your client before a case, this is in criminal cases and in civil cases as well, you're supposed to be honest as a lawyer. You're not supposed to just be feeding them what you think they want to hear. You, you know, you're honest and you tell them, hey, with this, I think we have a chance. With this, can't lie. Yeah, you're done for. But let's um, start with the less ethical route, so to speak. The one where we say, hey, no be us do and we tell the prosecution to prove their case. Now, 
I think the best course for that one would definitely be to try and point the finger somewhere else. And for that, we have um, Timayi. Uh, that's Kola's sister in the film. I mean, as long as um, by the time season two starts, if they do a season two, Timayi didn't, you know, take her own life. Which, hey, you never know where the writers are going to go. So, you know, we have a situation whereby Kola told Timayi and said, you know, if anything happens to me, look to our brother. We have the situation with Blade, where the brother hired Blade. And, you know, Blade was caught, the IPO, or rather Inspector Canada, as I like to call him, had done the research and had, you know, basically established that the brother, well, established again, that one has its own um, ups and downs and nooks and crannies. And we're not going to get into all the other crimes that happened, you know, the organ donor, the murder of Kola's whole family at his sister's hand, all those things. We're not going to go into all those hypotheticals, but... You know, to me, is there to prove a case to say that, hey, it was actually Kola's brother that did it, you know. He had tried, he had the tension, he had planned it, everything. And then also, all the different elements that the prosecution can bring up. You know, the CCTV is pretty damning, yes. By the end of the day, it's about reasonable doubts. And, you know, yes, okay, the girls are wearing the uniform and they are carrying something heavy. But, you know, who is to say? <laughs> <laughs> who is to what say are you, are you god Olamde, are you god who is to say that it is color's body so there is that you know the issue with the gun i think the main problem with that would be if kemi's fingerprints are on the gun if they didn't wipe it down that's pretty damning and also the fact that yes they were the last ones to see him is pretty damning as well but at the end of the day it's about reasonable doubt now the standard of proof in civil matters is um, on the balance of probabilities which kind of almost means you know which one is more likely but so if you know if you want to go the slightly crooked route you say hey it'll be us do a, a collab brother and you sit back and you hope that the prosecution is not able to prove its case but we're not going to do that today because i think as you can see from the limited series you know, the girls are very very moral characters you know, very torn up by what happened especially sarah i can't like kemi is a ride or die shot I would definitely be Sarah in that kind of situation, and I feel like Olamide is definitely going to be a Kemi. But going on, to so why? Why exactly? Do you why? Think no, again? because I think you're very like I get very easily frazzled and stressed, but you seem very like level-headed and practical. I definitely be the person that be sweating and be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Olamide will be there like, calm down, calm down, calm down, kind of thing. But so going with the route of saying that hey, we did it, but it's self-defense. So, how are we going to establish that, right? Well, looking to the criminal law of Lagos, I'm specifically considering section 193, subsection 2, and section 195. So, section 193 is about self-defense against unprovoked assault. It says as follows, and it's, it's important to read it out, which is why Olamide did that as well. And it says, when a person is unlawfully assaulted and has not provoked the assault, and the nature of the assault is such as to cause reasonable apprehension of death or grievous harm. It is lawful for him or her to use such force as is reasonably necessary to defend himself or herself from death or grievous harm, even though, even though such force may cause death or grievous harm. And then going on to section 195, aiding in self-defense, which says, in any case in which it is lawful for any person to use force 
in any degree for the purpose of defending himself or herself against an assault, it is lawful for any other person acting in good faith in his or her aid to use the same degree of force for the purpose of defending such action. And I'm using intonation and inflections in certain places intentionally because I'm trying to bring out the relevant, what we would call, ingredients of this particular defense. And that's why I said it's a complete defense, right? It says that it is lawful. And so the case for the defense really is to prove that the girls had a reasonable apprehension of death or grievous harm at the hands of Kola. And obviously they did not provoke the assault. And that that then led to them having to defend themselves, even though that force caused death. Now, how am I going to, you know, prove that? Well, like I'd already said, you know, we're not flies on the wall here. So even even though I'm going to obviously bring the girl, specifically Sarah, as a witness to what happened, you know, the events of that particular day in that room, I'm also going to need to add backstory and context to show people that Kola, you know, was an abusive person. Kola was a violent person and there was every reason for the women to fear that what he said he not he's not just talking talk like he was very capable of taking their lives now how am i going to do that well that takes me to my witnesses right my first witness is definitely going to be sarah i mean it was it was her man's um so sarah's gonna come and i'm gonna you know try and elicit evidence from her which is establishing what happened in that room exactly exactly the same way that I had laid out the facts in the beginning, you know, getting that from her. And then also, I am going to be establishing as, as well the um, history of abuse from Kola to show that, yes, it was reasonable for Sarah to believe that he was had every intention of killing her, even grievously harming her. It doesn't have to be death. Remember, grievous harm is also included as well. Then I'm going to be bringing Kola's exes, which would be Princess, and also what's the name of the person that was played by Toke Makinwa? Starts with an A. Yes, Abi. Princess and uh-uh, full government. Um, Princess and Abby as my witnesses now. Would they come willingly? Probably not. But that's why you have witness summons and the concept of hostile witnesses. So there's a whole. There, there's precedent for if a witness is not is not willing and compliant. But I'm going to, so I'm going to have Sarah, Abby, and Princess to establish, you know, Collar's history of domestic abuse to show that yes, he was a person very capable, and of you know taking Sarah's life, of causing her grievous harm that she would fear. Then I'm also going to need Akin as well. Now Akin, that's you know Collar's best man, his his boy. Now Akin is not really helpful on the domestic violence front because he claims that he knew nothing about it. But he is the one who found the paintings, or rather the drawings. And that then takes me to my evidence. I think my main piece of evidence in this particular case would be the drawings that were done by Kola, found by Aki. So obviously I need Aki because I need to lay foundation for those drawings. Okay, yes, you didn't just pick it on the, on the side of the road or on uh, Lekki Kui Link Bridge, which I know that every Nollywood filmmaker seems to love. <laughs> <laughs> that he actually found it in co- very soon. Third Milan, third, I, honestly, justice for Third Milan Bridge, like justice for Third Milan Bridge, honestly. But every so yeah, so that I can I need to establish the fact that yes, he found it in Kola's 
house so i think so those would definitely be my main witnesses in that instance and really all i'm trying to do is just you know prefer and put forward the defense of self-defense and i actually i mean if i do say to myself as the person who's doing it i do think it would be successful however that then takes uh, successful me. really don't listen to Alamide, please. Remember, violence and chaos. You know, vote for peace and justice and fairness. Well, to all womankind. That's what I'm doing, really. You if know, you're a feminist, you know, vote for Timmy Fair. Wait, so are you telling feminists to kill people now? Wow, wow, wow. On that note, <laughs> other charges are a bit, a bit stickier, so to speak. I'll actually admit, I, I had to scratch my brain, and even after I scratched my brain, nothing came out. And I think that's where, again, like I said, when you're speaking to your clients, especially I think in criminal matters where, you know, there's life and death, literally in this case, um, at hand, you have to be very honest with what's, you know, obtainable in practice. And that's also why, you know, there's also the option of, you know, plea bargains and plea deals, whereby as the defense counsel, you know, you can go to the prosecution and say, hey, okay, I, you know, this murder, something that you're looking for, you yourself know is ash. So how about, you know, we just admit that, yes, okay, they desecrated the body, we take the five years, and you leave it at that. And while that might seem like a lot, when... Why would death, I want to give you five years? Again, a prosecutor that believes in fairness to all humankind, and not a prosecutor like Olamide. Guys, don't vote for Olamide as AG or anything like that, too, because you just be very strictest AG that the Federation or Lagos has ever seen. Or if he wants to go back to his uh, his town and be age of Ogun State. No, but really, why why would I take five years? Well, it's saving. I mean, then we get into the discussion of why do plea bargains and plea deals exist at all, right? It's yeah, saving costs. Really. No, saving costs, time, energy. And also, a, a case like this will probably have a lot of PR. Exactly. So I don't disagree that a plea bargain would actually work. Like, that's what they should even explore that's definitely definitely be, best case option honestly like let's be frank with ourselves there's no way these girls are getting away scot-free like the law is going to have its pound maybe flesh. off the murder because of self-defense oh definitely i i am very confident on the murder charge but if you have a prosecutor like olamide that wants to load his charge sheets with a not with a unnecessary things like desecrating dead bodies it's not unnecessary in fact that was that that that, that goes to the very essence of um humanity and oh my whatnot. because God. really you've killed someone already that's 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 all right you, you <laughs> well, they said that's enough that, why are you now beheading the person that that's that's i can't that's like that beheading was level. very was actually very pointless because next i thought level. they were going to like cut off the body or something i think they just cut the head off and they realized you know, it's long not that i'm trying to give any inclination that or any ideas guys please oh we don't co-sign killing people uh, 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 grievously we don't, I don't co-sign any of that. He doesn't co-sign any of that. No, but, I don't. I beg you. We're just, we're just talking. But if you need a lawyer for when they take it to police, yeah. anyway, seek legal counsel. Not necessarily if you're an Olamide, but, you know, lawyers are no, very Definitely, important. when you are arrested, just let them know that you want to speak to your lawyer. Don't speak to the police. I know a lot of times they hassle you to talk, but please ensure that you speak to a lawyer. And a competent lawyer at that yes definitely definitely again this is not us giving for legal advice but we will have an episode on you know criminal law your rights especially when it comes to things like traffic violations and those things that i think the average nigerian not so much i mean the average nigerian is not finding themselves in the middle of a murder case but those um little to crimes here and there or things that you know public officials would like to be crimes so that they can try and uh, catch and extort you 
But going to the offense of, you know, um, mismanaging, desecrating, manhandling a dead body. Now, I think the only hope there is by, if there is even any hope at all, is by looking at the elements of the offense, right? Which Olamide had already read out. But what are the elements of the offense? Well, it's any person without lawful justification or excuse. Emphasis on justification or excuse, or rather, emphasis on lawful justification or excuse, and that is where I admit Olamide has me caught. No, but I, I think what even makes this particular offense very interesting is that it switches the burden of proof. Ordinarily, the prosecution has the burden of proof throughout, but the statute now says that you have the burden of establishing whether that justification is lawful or your excuse is lawful. That, that, that makes that, That's what makes this part very interesting. Yeah, so obviously as the defense, I would be looking, you know, researching and trying to see how the court has defined lawful justification or excuse to see if there's anything i can extract that i can even play with but honestly that word lawful is just where where i'm kind of beat if there were if it was just justification or excuse you could again i don't know how but you could try and finagle the law is not a straight line as someone said last week to me but lawful there's almost no way out of that now to the charge of um unlawfully having a firearm Again, we're looking at the elements which talk about, you know, having it in your possession or control. Again, it's kind of an issue, but, you know, unless this is a strict liability offense, which it very well might be, I'd have to look into that. But, oh, rather, to be specific, you know, having it in your possession or control without a license, which we already know that the girls, they have a license. But you might see some wiggle room again in the definition of the ingredients, you know, how has the law, how has case law define possession and control you know they they don't know that brought it they fell from color they didn't have it for long they only they only used it for the purpose of the murder which again i'm trying to say self-defense will cover so if that's covered you know they didn't um they didn't keep it with them nothing like that so i think this is where like with the defense the facts really come into play i want to see how you can i don't use the word manipulate but how you can manipulate the facts but that would really be the charges and how we would handle them. Now, like I said, you know, you guys are, are a judge in this instance, and I'm going to put up a Twitter poll. Let's put up an Instagram poll as well. Yeah, we'll actually be doing that. To see, you know, if you are team Ife or you are team violence and chaos. Okay, I think Ife is actually the team violence and chaos because really, how do you kill somebody and you decimate? Oh my God. That, that, that's that, that's that, that's even too gruesome to say. No, it was actually it was actually pretty pretty gruesome. But please, guys, let us know. You know, if this is something you found interesting, this is something you enjoyed, like we can do definitely do this with other films and other TV shows, both home and abroad. Although if we do them, if we do abroad films and TV shows, we'll be analyzing them through the lens of Nigerian law. You know, if this happened in Nigeria, but I think. Every episode is a love letter to somebody, right? I guess this was a love letter to Nollywood. You know, please keep keeping me entertained. A love letter to Netflix. You know, feel free to highlight your girl, JK. And finally, a love letter to people who I don't really love. These (laughs) are the people that portray lawyers as something else, especially in Nollywood movies. I'm sure I, I, I honestly, if there was a courtroom scene there, 
based on the precedent, but I, I think Blood Sisters would have actually done better. Yeah. Or based off what I've seen with a lot of Nollywood movies, they wouldn't have done their research properly. They probably would have just gotten the charges all wrong, the procedure and whatnot. But yeah, it's just so people have an insight as to how the criminal system really does work. It's not just a straight line and you say, oh, no, it's self-defense. You have to prove self-defense. You, ju- you don't just say that eh, he was beaten. You have to show that this is why self-defense would avail the person. Yes. And so, like Olamide had said, you know, we really just want to go into the substantive law, you know, what the law is, what the relevant facts are. We didn't really get into procedure, like how you file, where you would file, you know, how you tender evidence, how your witnesses give evidence, all those things. Although, hey, if that's what you guys find interesting, I can't lie, I don't find procedural aspects of law very interesting. But if you find that interesting, we can always go into that another day for another thing. But we hope that you enjoyed this, really, because we definitely did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Although, just to add, another offense that you probably would have... There's several other offenses. There's so many. Honestly, you can do like a 20-count Okay, so there's the the other murder, the murder of the photographer. Oh, yeah, the other offenses we could have spoken about. So, obviously, the murder of the the photographer, there's Timay, Timay. There's Timay killing her, basically, her entire family. There's the arson where they bond um, Uncle B in that uh, Yes, shop. and the assault of Uncle B as well. They actually yeah. also assaulted him. There's even the killing of the um, organ... Yeah, the, the organ... The, the organ one. doctor, although again, self-defense would come into play in, yeah. for that particular yeah, one. that particular one. Then there was the armed robbery part where they robbed Dimele of his car. Oh yeah, when they stole someone's car, which Olamide keeps calling it armed robbery. Why are you wicked? Okay, fine. It's armed robbery now at gunpoint. Eh, but there's no, there's no but. <laughs> there's really no but. Olamide just wants to send these girls to the chair by force. <laughs> Actually, that's something I'd be very interested in doing the research on. Like, how do? Because when Olamide told me that you know murder is you know a death sentence, I was actually shocked that we it is a capital offense you know no, it's, it's, capital offense it's, it's, in Nigeria. it's a capital offense although i think in lagos State, there's been a moratorium on executing people yes so yes. they're just on death row so yes. i don't think anyone has been executed recently i i stand to be corrected though mm. but this is the, i know it, it's one of the human rights considerations yeah uh, that yes they, they are sentenced to death but they're just kept on death row i mean people are kept i mean it's not just in nigeria even abroad and people are kept on death row for honestly decades but we hope that you guys enjoyed this. We enjoyed it. We always enjoy taking the time out to do the podcast. Please, you know, your feedback, your criticism, your praise, if any. You know, we would definitely enjoy that. Looking forward to next week when hopefully we'll have a guest. We'll, f- we'll release who that will be on our Twitter uh, later soon. this week. Yes. But as always, if you're on Olamide signing out, you know, from the bar, follow us at pod from the bar and we will see you next week yeah thank you so much guys for listening